So good to be together this morning. Hey, find your Bibles. Let's open them to Proverbs chapter 4, please. If you picked up a sermon outline on your way in this morning, or you can open up your Three Crosses app and find it there. We'll be on page 990 if you're using that book rack Bible in front of you. Everybody's Bible open. We've been in a series in the book of Proverbs. We're wrapping up the book of Proverbs actually next week. And we've kind of covered the main issue of Proverbs chapters 1 through 9, which is the issue of wisdom and how we all need wisdom. Have you been learning wisdom? Have you been hearing wisdom's voice? And that's really been the theme of these last four weeks. And today, week number five of six weeks in Proverbs, we're going to drop out and look a little bit at a topic. Because as I look at chapters 1 through 9, I think there's a couple of topics that we need to just kind of camp out in a little bit. And so today we're going to be looking at what wisdom says about sexual purity. Okay, now that i got everybody else's attention, they're all back now. We're going to talk about sexual purity from this book. And this is an amazing, amazing book, amazing feature in the book of Proverbs. You know, I was thinking coming in here today, this is actually, we don't follow a liturgical calendar in our church, so to speak. Once in a while we dip into that, but churches for centuries follow the liturgical calendar, which means today, if you're following that, is Pentecost Sunday. It's been 50 days since Easter. This is the day we celebrate as Christians that the Holy Spirit came upon God's people, Acts chapter 2. And I was thinking driving in here today how important it is that we receive a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and as individual followers of Jesus Christ, how we need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, especially on this very sensitive topic of sexual purity. Sometimes I think in Scripture we come upon areas and issues that we, we kind of scratch our heads about and we look at culture and what culture is doing. And I think there's a lot of us, even in here this morning, who are really confused about what Scripture says about sexual purity. And I want to just try to do my best this morning to show you out of Proverbs what wisdom says about our sexual purity. Now the premise here is that the expressions of our sexuality matter to God. Do you believe that this morning? I mean, it really matters to God, and the culture will never tell you that. You're not going to see that on most television programs or the media that you watch or listen to. Uh, there's sort of a free-for-all spirit in our culture, and, and I know that today what I'm going to say to you, some of you are going to take issue with what I say, not because it isn't found in Scripture, but because it's so counter to what society has told you. And I'm, I'm anticipating emails this week. I'm anticipating things that people are going to think and say about what they're going to hear today because you've been following, some of us have been following uh, lies, pure and simple. I want to make clear at the top of this message that um, there's no judgment here. Uh, there's no shame that is about to be exposed or anything like that. I, I, don't come, I don't want to come condescendingly upon any of us here today. I'm a sinner saved by the grace of God. Thank you, Jesus, that all my sins are forgiven. And if you know Christ, all your sins are forgiven. Past is forgiven. Present is forgiven. Future is forgiven. Aren't you glad? I mean, this is what the Christian church is about. This is who we are about. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't stop and take inventory of really sensitive, important subjects. And I just... I don't know, I just felt like this was an important one. Next week we're going to look at character. I think sexual purity and character in our culture has just been, you know, just blown out and, and lost in many ways. And so just from the Word of God this morning, some raw truth, I hope you'll follow along and I hope you'll see some real beauty and liberty in all of this. Here's what I believe in chapters 1 through 9 of Proverbs tells us about 
sexual purity. Here's what wisdom says. Number one, there's four things wisdom's going to tell us. Number one, if you're taking notes, if you follow my advice concerning your view of sexual purity, you'll be glad you did. That's what wisdom says about sexual purity. If you follow my voice, if you follow my words, you'll be glad. Now, let's drop into chapter uh, 4, beginning in verse 20, right there in Proverbs 4. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. Above else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. What I want to key in on this morning in terms of this little section, and we're going to go through a lot of Scripture this morning, is that what, what wisdom is telling us is that there is a way to live your life so that when you look back later in life, if God gives you long days, that you look back later in life and you say, I don't have regret about things that I did. This is what wisdom is trying to prepare us for. It's trying to prepare us for a life without regret. How many people want a life without regret? <laughs> I think we all do. Our hands are up. We don't want to regret. And that's really what wisdom is saying to us. And I want you to key in on verse 23, the words, guard your heart. In fact, even before that, the three words, above all else. Let that sink in for just a minute. Wisdom's message in Proverbs is to pay attention to your heart. Everything starts with the heart. Remember Jesus' words. I think we have them in your notes there. Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says, you have heard it was said... Do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. It all starts with the heart. You know, the, the Pharisees thought that as long as they didn't do the act, it was all right. But Jesus backed that up and he said, wait a minute, it's not, it's not the act only that's the problem here. The problem is, is where it starts. It starts in the heart. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Do you wonder why you say certain words? Do you wonder why you you know, use expletives and you know, you're just, your mind is sometimes filled with garbage and stuff. It just comes out of your mouth. What fills your heart eventually comes out of your mouth. And so when you're around people that are just always saying, you know, really corrosive things with their mouth, you just, that's a window into the heart. It's what's going on in the heart. Matthew 15, 18, Jesus said, but the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And these make a man unclean, for out of the heart, well, look at this, from out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, lying, slander, all of that comes from what? The heart. It's not the actions as much as what's already in the heart. Let's back up a little bit and listen for what wisdom says about our sexual purity back in chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, go back to chapter 2, Proverbs 2. And let's pick it up in verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds victory in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. You see, when this happens, wisdom takes on the transformative power that becomes a steady guard against all that entices us or pulls us in. Look at, as it continues, verse 9. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you. Understanding will guard you. You see, what wisdom is trying to say is, there are certain places you should not go, and I want to protect you from that. 
I had an experience yesterday, and it, it still bothers me. I was driving down the freeway yesterday over across the bay, and I was in the, you know, third lane. I don't know what lane it is, but I was like the third lane over from the right and four lanes, Highway 101 going along. And all of a sudden, up a, a, a little ways ahead, I see what looks like a jacket kind of blowing on the freeway. But then when I realized it was a duck with her little ducklings crossing the freeway. And I'm not kidding you. It was like and I just, I'm holding my breath. You can tell everyone immediately is seeing this. People are trying to weave out of the way. Everyone's going super fast. And then it just happened. Th these ducks went into a lane where, I guess the expression, dead duck, comes to mind. They were just obliterated. And I'm not kidding you. It was like, I, <laughs> this is kind of hard to admit, but I teared up. Like, I was like, it was terrible. I'm thinking this mother duck, and I'm, I'm thinking, what are you doing out here? Seriously. What are you doing out here? And I was thinking, as I was going over my notes last night, I was thinking of that scene when I came to this passage where I think the Spirit of God, wisdom says to some of us, what are you doing there? What are you doing with your life to where you are placing yourself in such a place that you are going to regret? You are going to regret. Why are you here? Why are you there? Wisdom is trying to help us get across the dangerous freeway of our lives. Look at verses 13 and 14. People that get in our way sometimes, they've departed from, look at what it says, straight paths to walk in dark ways who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil. We are surrounded by a culture and a world that delights in doing wrong, that rejoices in the perverseness of evil. So keep going, verse 16. It, wisdom, wisdom will save you from the adulteress, from the wayward wife with her seductive words, who has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before God. Now, listen, this isn't to be one-sided. I mean, the problem is not wayward women here. We've talked about this all the way along. Wisdom is personified as a woman. Folly is personified as a, wis wis as a woman. It's just a picture of how folly is seductive, but, and really if the truth were known, I think men are far more likely to be unfaithful or to wander or to become wayward in their sexuality than women are. And my experience as a pastor is I've talked to a lot more women whose husbands are unfaithful in some area than, than husbands talking to me about their wives being unfaithful to them. So don't get caught up in the, in the, in the issue of which one is more at fault. We're all, we're all tempted. We've all got issues. But look at verse 18 and 19 of chapter 2. For her house leads down to death and her paths to the, spirit, to the spirits of the dead. None who go to her return to attain the paths of life. This is a, the picture of those little ducklings going across the freeway. If you're going to live that kind of lifestyle, there's going to be things that are going to die. Now watch this. Uh, I'm not talking about necessarily wisdom. not talking about losing your life. There are other things that die. Things like our conscience dies. Our sensitivity to God's calling in our lives dies. Our ability and usefulness to God dies. Our joy in the Spirit dies dies. Are you following me? These are the things that die when we go down that path. And there are a lot of us, a lot of believers, a lot of Christ followers. I believe they're Christ followers, but they have followed the lie of culture, and so they've listened to the voice of folly. And so in the area of sexual purity, they just basically uh, are, are, 
you know, throwing caution to the wind and doing whatever they would like to do. And so this is really, really important to see that, that we need to listen to wisdom's voice. We need to listen to what wisdom has to say. And by the way, it's never too early to start listening to wisdom, and it's never too late to start listening to wisdom. I wonder if there's someone here today that just thinks, oh, you know, I've just blown it too many times, and my life is just a mess, and who cares, and now, you know, my life is a certain way, and it's just going to be. No, God is a God that loves to rebuild, loves to sustain and rebuild into us purity, a sense of innocence, all of what God wants to do in our lives if we'll just listen to wisdom. Wisdom wants to get us to a place where we live without regret. If you listen to what wisdom has to say about sexual purity, you will be glad you did. Do you agree with that this morning? All right, let's look at the second thing wisdom says. We see this over in chapter 6, but wisdom says it's a challenge that requires serious attention. You know, what wisdom is going to tell us is, is if you're going to wrestle this, you're going to have to wrestle it to the ground. You've got to take this seriously. Wisdom warns of two very significant things about our challenge to be sexually pure. Number one, it warns us that sexual temptation is real and must be taken seriously. Verse, chapter, chapter 9, verse 13. Look at it with me. And we'll come back to chapter 6 too. But chapter 9, verse 13. It says, The woman folly is loud. She is undisciplined and without knowledge. Three things really quickly. Sexual temptation is loud. It's at fever pitch. Everywhere you go, you hear it. You hear about it. From advertising to entertainment to our cultural society views of sexuality, we're getting blasted from every angle. It's so loud, some of us can hardly hear wisdom's voice anymore. It's just incredibly loud. It's not only loud, it's undisciplined. It's undisciplined, meaning simple. Sexual gratification isn't hidden way up in the rafters. It's down low. It's where virtually anyone who is looking for it can find it. It takes no skill or ability to find ways to, to run your life off the path of God's will for your life. Have you noticed that? It's so simple. It's everywhere. It's undisciplined. It's loud. It's also without knowledge. Notice that temptation is also ignorant. This points to the general naivety that goes along with sexual temptation. People just don't see where they're going, and there they are. Now, not only is it something that we need to take seriously, but number two, it warns, wisdom warns us of the inevitable consequences. Back to chapter 6. Chapter 6, verses 27 and 28. Asks a very important question. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? <laughs> Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? Look at the end of verse 29. No one who touches her will go unpunished. Speaking of sexual immorality. A few verses later, shame and disgrace take the stage. Look at verse 33. Sorry, verse 33. Blows and disgrace are his lot, and his shame will never be wiped away. Verse 34. For jealousy arouses a husband's fury, and he will show no mercy when he takes revenge. He will not accept any comp uh, compensation. He will refuse the bribe, however great it is. So talks about this consequence, talks about the, the reality of you cannot go here without certain things going on in your life, without consequences. Uh, there's a New Testament verse, some of us know it, Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked, for whatever a man reaps, he will, whatever a man sows, he will reap. A man reaps what he sows. 
we oftentimes think that, you know, we can just get away with things. But what wisdom says is, wait a minute. Wisdom says you're not, you're not going to get away with anything because whatever you sow in your life, whatever seeds you're planting in your life, you're going to reap, the, ben- you're gonna reap the, the fruit of those seeds, whether to wisdom benefits, whether to folly, consequence of perhaps great disasters. And by the way, I see in Proverbs a connection between what we talk about and the actions that follow in our lives. Let's do a quick flyover of this. This is really interesting to me. Chapter 2, verse 12. We're going to just walk through this. Follow along. 2.12. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, whose men who, from men whose words are perverse. Chapter 4, verse 24. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Chapter 8, verses 7 and 8. My mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. Chapter 10, verse 32. The lips of the righteous know what is fitting, but the mouth of the wicked only what is perverse. Chapter 17, verse 20. A man of perverse heart will not prosper. He whose tongue is deceitful falls into trouble. And then one more look at chapter 18, verse 7. A fool's mouth is his undoing, but his lips and his lips are a snare to his soul. Actually, let's look at one more, 22:14. The mouth of an adulteress is a deep pit. He who is under the Lord's wrath will fall into it. Now, what 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 these words are telling us is that our actions often are just indicators of what's already come out of our mouths. And I, I think about this in terms of not only the, the incredible uh, uh, perversity that's in our culture regarding sexual immorality, but even the talk that's in our culture. Have you noticed? I mean, the talk in our culture has gone so perverse, so crass, just amazing. I mean, we talk about, you know, in jest, we talk about people dropping the F-bomb. And that's everywhere. It's just, it's just part of our culture's slang. And I think of what Proverbs says, and it basically says your heart, your, your heart fills up with certain things, and then your mouth speaks those words. And, and here, the verses we've just looked at, there seems to be an indication that what we speak about eventually becomes something normative in our own behavior. That's why we detest language that is foul or, or not uh, pure in God's eyes. Now, again, I, you know, as I'm saying these words, I'm thinking, you know, some of you are just kind of going, well, you know, how can I live this way? I live in a culture that this is the language we speak and this is the way we, but should not we as believers in Christ aspire to be everything our culture is not? And should we just get on our faces before God and say, God, how are we so, you know, tainted by our culture that we find no no sense of, of, of conviction at all in saying or doing the things that the culture has embraced. Wisdom tells us that if you follow my advice, wisdom says, you'll be glad you did. You'll save yourself from a life of regret. You'll also see that is, is a challenge that requires serious attention in your life. And I wonder if some of us here today have just been too casual about this battle that wages in our lives. Okay? Here's a third thing, and this is a big one. What wisdom says about sexual purity is that sexual intimacy outside of God's covenant of marriage is not all you think it is. Okay? It isn't what you think it is. And I'm going to show you this from several places in in Proverbs, but let's go to chapter 5. First of all, chapter 5, 
And let me show you three things that are kind of along this theme of what wisdom says about sexual immorality uh, that we don't often think about. Number one, it promises what it can't deliver. It promises what it can't deliver. It sounds so good at first, but notice after the dripping of the honey. Look at chapter four, verse verses four of chapter five, verses four and five. But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. Wisdom reminds the one who's seeking fulfillment in sexual intimacy outside of marriage that it isn't simply that you that that it, you know you shouldn't because of some terrible consequence in your life, but because it really can't deliver on what it promises. It promises that sex is just a purely physical act, and that there'll be you know no consequences to the act. And we talk about in our culture a lot about how people just see this as just a part of their friendship. Sometimes it's a part of of just dating life, and. You know, I, I don't know, where I sit in my position as a pastor, I talk to people all the time who even as believers in Christ, just it kind of comes out of their life. Well, they're, they're living with their boyfriend or their girlfriend or they've been out on a date and yeah, they went too far and they had sex and they're just like, they're looking at their, and they're thinking it's, you know, really, how do I deal with it? It's, it's almost like they don't understand the gravity of the issue. And what, what they're not seeing is that they're falling further and further into what the second thing that, that doesn't deliver about, about sexual uh, promiscuity, and that is that there's this trap that enslaves us. There's this trap that enslaves us. Solomon asks, why be captivated, my son, chapter 5, verse 22, why be captivated, my son, by an adulteress? The deeds of a wicked man ensnare him. The cords of his sin hold him fast. Now that's interesting because now it goes to the male side of things. The deeds of a wicked man ensnare him and the cords of his sin hold him fast. Uh, pornography in our culture is, is just unbelievably strong. And it's like we don't talk about it. I'm so glad we have a men's ministry at our church that really addresses this stuff. And if you're not in our men's ministry, guys, you should be. And, and this would be a great thing for all of the men in our church to be there because our pastor of men talks very openly and firmly and strongly about the, the pull of pornography. A hundred billion dollar industry in the world. In America, it's 12 to 14 billion dollars. And you know why that is? Because there's this law of diminishing return. You need more and more to be satisfied. There's a progression. It slowly but rapidly eventually moves into low, new lows in our lives until finally we become addicted and then we pay for anything to get the drug that we need in our lives. And for many people, for many of us, it's, it's a sexual drug. We are addicted to sex. This is our culture. This is the, the way we live. And in a church, you know, the statistics are the church is not all that different. I mean, there's, there's not even a, a drop between people who profess themselves to be, profess to be Christians, Christ followers, and people who have no commitment whatsoever to Jesus Christ from the actions and what they view in their media and the things that they're watching on their tablets and phones and all that, there's really no difference according to the best polls that are out there. And so we have ministries in our church. We have a ministry called Avenues for men who are sexually addicted. We have other ministries called Journey Places. You can go on our webpage and look at our care ministries. And I just, you know, I talk to leaders in those groups and they just kind of scratch their heads sometimes because there's just trickles of people that come in. When it's, it's just 
obvious in our culture and our society that it's, it's really rampant. And so I, back to our men's ministry, it's great to have a place where 150 guys are up at our retreat where there's 300 guys where we talk openly about the challenge of pornography and the importance of dealing with this in our lives. And I know we've got all ages here. I'm trying to keep this really, you know, PGG, you know, this morning. But, I, but it's, it's like we just got our heads in the sand. And, and I want you to know as a pastor, I'm aware. And, I, and guess what? I, I have struggles too. I, I'm a man. When I sit down with a man, he talks about his struggles. I don't sit there and go, oh, well, that's really too bad. You know, I've just never even had that experience before. <laughs> you know, what? No. I mean, it is, it is a huge battle. And when I share my battle in, a, in a prop, an appropriate place and with appropriate people to keep me accountable and talk in my life, when I talk about that in my life, we understand. And people sort of open up. And maybe today, I've just been praying that someone would say, well, you know, Pastor Larry can struggle with lust and, and he's had his struggles and battles. I can, I can talk about it too. Somehow, we have to like normalize this enough to where, and I've said this before, you can't get help from problems you can't have. And in the church, we just, you know, we just pretend that nobody's got problems. Everybody's great. Nobody's got any sin. Everybody's just doing really great. <laughs> you know, but that's not the truth. I know it's not the truth because I know my own heart and I know the people that I talk to. And, but I want you to know this too. As much as there's a struggle and there can be struggles in my own life, I'm pressing on. I want to live a righteous life. I want to lis listen to wisdom. I don't want to live a life of regret. I want to stop and keep stopping to do this and not do the stupid things. I don't want to be the little duckling going across the freeway. And, and, and I trust and pray that's what you are, where you are too. You know, this morning we've got... We've got communion service in just a couple minutes. And I think, oh, how great it is that God, you know, I didn't know that when we were preparing this series. I didn't realize that this would be communion Sunday. This is a beautiful day to repent of sin. It's a beautiful day to confess our sins. It's a beautiful day to welcome and embrace the forgiveness of Christ. And to say, God, I need to walk a new way. And some of us, it might not be sexual addiction. It might not be pornography. It could be any sin in our life this morning that's keeping us from a, a loving, beautiful relationship with Christ. I want to encourage you with that. It's a trap that enslaves. It's also so destructive to us. Proverbs 5.23, He will die for lack of discipline, led astray by his own great folly. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Look at that. Her slain are a mighty throng. This is folly. This is uh, sexual immorality. Her voice is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. Now again, you know, I mean, I'm not going to tell you that if you have, you know, sex outside of marriage, that you're going you're to die for that. I'm just going to say there's going to be consequences and it's a ripple effect in your life and it's going to deaden a lot of stuff in your life that God wants you to be alive to. You know, and if you're a Christ follower, especially if you're a younger person, I have such admiration for so many of our young people that are around this place that are choosing to live a, a sanctified life, a pure life sexu sexually. Uh, a couple years ago, I married a young couple and they were telling me in their marriage counseling, they were saying that they were pure, they were virgins, they were deciding just a beautiful young couple that grew up in our church. But they said in both of their workplaces, he's a cop, she's a dental hygienist, in both of their workplaces, when people found out they weren't living together in their engagement period and that they had never slept together, they got rast, harassed and kidded and teased and pressured as if to say, you know, if you don't do that, you're a fool. That's the culture we're in. I mean, l legitimate 
pressure. And they just, you know, they said, hey, we just, we just smile back. We just say we're going to choose God's way. Now, I know some of us here say, well, wow, you know, horses are out of the barn, Lair. I've got like, I've kind of gone that way in my life, and, and what do I do? Here's the great thing. The good thing is in, in the Scriptures, when we repent of our sins, God remembers our sins no more. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our sins from us. So, yeah, if the horses are out of the barn, if you've done stuff in your life, even as a Christ follower that you know is wrong, simply confess, repent, and then, man, get whatever you need. Accountability in your life, a brother or sister in Christ comes alongside of you. You're a woman, a woman in your life, a man, a man in your life, where you can just kind of talk about these issues and stay as pure as you can. Because we are in a sin-stained culture, and the, the volume is shouting at us. Oh, man. We, we, need, we need help in this. Okay. My phone is saying, Larry, it's time to wrap it up. So let me wrap it up. Here's, here's the last thing I want you to see. And th- this is beautiful. What does wisdom say about sexual purity? That sex is a mysteriously powerful, beautiful, and wholesome expression of physical intimacy intended solely for covenant marriage. That's what wisdom says. Look at chapter 5, verses 15 through 20. Drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares, let them be yours alone. Look at this beautiful metaphor. Never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be captivated by her love. Why be captivated by an adulteress or adulterer? Why embrace the bosom of another person's spouse? Why do that? Why? Because the Bible tells us, wisdom tells us that sexual intimacy is intended solely for covenant marriage. And I think it's probably worth saying here today When we talk about covenant marriage, we are talking a marriage between only a man and a woman. God's word offers zero validation for a marital union outside of a covenant relationship between a man and a woman. (laughs) And that is so countercultural. And we are laughed at and we are called prudes and bigots and unfair and uncaring and un, 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 un. And that's because wisdom is going to keep saying things to us and folly is going to get louder and louder and louder. So, you know, this is simple stuff. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure any of this out. But you've got to have an open heart willing to be transformed by the Spirit of God in your life. And that's what my prayer has been for this little talk today. God, give us a transformed hearts. Give us a renewed passion for purity in our lives. Your pastor wants to live a pure life, but there's temptation. I want you to live a pure life, but there's temptation. But you know, can we just stand up against anything that comes in any different voice than the voice of Scripture, the voice of wisdom, and say, I'm going to listen to what wisdom says. You know, 
We're, we're setting a legacy for our kids, how we live our lives. Moms and dads, how you treat your spouse. How you live faithfully to the one that God's called you to be with.